was last night. You know, it took an entire half for us to start attacking Luke May. I mean, we should have just, like, isolated him the whole first half. Jason Tatum had zero points against him in the first half. So, as great as this win was, not that impressive. Actually, uh, it was impressive. Come we on. Played, we played great. <laughs> we played great. We beat Carolina at home. It's the biggest party of the year. Every year, it's, it's the it's thing not that the matters biggest. the most. I've been to three Final Fours, which we've won all of. That's the biggest news of the year. This is a step in the right. This is a great step in the right direction. Everyone's healthy. Our defense is playing better. You don't have a chance to win the Final Four every year. We may this year, we may not, but we do have a chance to beat Carolina at home. Or if you lose to Carolina at home, it feels like shit. This was the biggest stakes regular season game of the year for our team. It's a, you mark it on the calendar every year, and it's the most thrilling, exciting, nothing's like it in the entire sports universe. I'm sorry you couldn't get into a game, but let's get fired up, man. No. We beat Carolina at home. Yeah, they were missing a player, but guess what? We've had six guys injured. Emil Jefferson's not 100%. Grayson Allen, I guess, is. Harry Giles isn't 100%. We're, we're missing guys. But the only thing you're thinking about is, well, we beat him without Isaiah Hicks. Okay, would have been a bigger win. Temper. I'm saying temper the enthusiasm. I'm guardedly optimistic. And I, I, I just don't think that this one game... See, when, when we concluded this game, I looked at our schedule. I looked to see how many more wins and losses we're going to have. Sure. I think it's so important that we, we lock up a two or three seed because... From a four, five, six, I think we're drawing almost dead. I don't think you know how to live in the now and the present. You need to enjoy the game, enjoy that thing that just happened, Peter. Let me let me inter- intervene in your life a little bit because this may be your bigger problem. You know, you always are looking at the forest and like not in the forest. Yeah, you always have like a, a wide view, and you just have to enjoy the moment. It's not only about the national championship. If we just won ACC titles and beat Carolina... Failure. Coach K, you failed. Failed at what? You give any good coach this team, this roster, I mean, they would be 24-1 and one right now. So you, you're you give Brad you, Stevens this, this team, it'd be 24-1. and one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's, that's Consensus that's preseason number one team... You gotta throw all that stuff out the window, dude. Listen, we've had injury after injury, setback after setback, including Coach K. All right, let's let's just stick Come to on. UNC. Let's stick to UNC. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Let Let's enjoy this incredibly great win. I mean, what a thrilling game. The game was played at a very high level. Everybody's making plays. Uh, let's enjoy it for what it is. It's it, you know, it's, it's a win over it's, our biggest rival. It's too bad we didn't watch the game together because then you would have seen that I was exuberant after the game. Over the moon. It was only 15 hours ago. <sighs> I think it was 17 hours ago the game ended and you've completely lost that, that enthusiasm. So you're, you're only enthusiastic for like that. So we got we to do the podcast right after the game next time. You were joking about that, right? I was, pretty sure, I was pretty sure you were joking. About what? Meeting, meeting at the office at, at 11.45 p.m. Yesterday, no man, I was excited. I was pumped up. I'm still pumped up. Let's talk about the game. I think we have different viewpoints on this this podcast. We almost lost Miami at home by 25 or 30 points, right? Like it felt that way 
only two weeks ago. Now we beat Notre Dame on the road, have won four straight. Four straight? And four, we yeah. beat Carolina, four straight. a team on the last podcast you thought we don't match up well against, even if they don't have Isaiah Hicks. The and reason we wouldn't match up well with them is, is if they had Isaiah Hicks. Yeah. They out-rebounded us by 35 last year. It's impossible to win. That, 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 you know how far above expectation that game ran for rebounding margin? That's got nothing to do with it, dude. What I'm saying is this. Did you see the look looks on everybody's faces towards the end of the game? Did you see how Grayson Allen felt? Did you see his new energy? Did you see the interview after the game with him and Kennard and the way they all like you know celebrated with the crowd? Yes. Did you see Coach K raise his hands up to the crowd when they were, were making the winning plays to get everybody fired up? That's what the program's about. That's that's a turning point. That's something you can put, you know, put on the chalkboard that you did that you accomplished. And we hadn't had any big wins. We'd lost every big game until the Notre Dame road win and this game. So we can hang our hat on this win against I, I don't, I don't a national ag- championship level type team. I don't agree with you that we can that this we're gonna hang our hat on this. It's something it's, to it's, build on. It's we certainly need to get better. It's certainly agree. a signature win we needed on our resume if we're gonna pursue like a, a, a high a high seed for the tournament. Sure. But if we go three and four in our final seven games, we lose in the second game of the ACC tournament. We lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament. No one's going to look back at, oh, remember that UNC home game? That was a great game. Like, no one is going to think that. No one. Yeah, this isn't the, the end all of the season. Nobody's saying I'm not saying that. But it does matter. Yes. These Carolina games really do matter for the experience of the players, for the emotional uh you know, momentum of the season, and we've been—I've been talking about this redemptive arc that needs to happen. I'm beginning to see this redemptive arc. The redemptive arc is arcing, and I tweeted about it. It was the only tweet I made after the game was just redemptive From arc. From our Twitter account? Yeah, I thought you deleted it. No, I haven't deleted it yet. We, we should delete it. <laughs> you but, know what? I think I think Grayson. I just I feel like. His, Grayson, his seven his, seven for eleven from three point range. Seven for twelve. Seven for twelve, and like taking those, our friend Devin Gordon used to refer to it as motherfucker shots, where he just knows he wants to win, make the winning plays, and he's going to put the team. He's going to take that shot. I'd never seen him so want a, to take those shots more. That's a false narrative. False narrative. Yeah, I mean, he took the same shots with the same mentality in our losing streak, and he bricked them all. I don't know. I don't know if it was the same. I mean, maybe and he was. He was also. He was also quoted after the game as saying he struggled with his confidence during that time period, which takes us back to when I said all these guys struggle with their confidence. Yeah, Grayson clearly has had some bigger issues. Matt Jones also. You know, I mean, he's gone through really cold shooting streak midseason. But let's going back to Grayson. I mean, what I was going to say is his DNA, his instinct, is to be a bad, bad motherfucker like he he should look to score and I feel like with the composition of our team it was a little bit forced you know like okay Grayson you're gonna bring the ball up we want you to facilitate and he's a good passer but that's not who he is you know like he he should be attacking the basket he should be looking for open threes he should be creating his own shot 
facilitating also it's it's i mean that should be secondary i i just you know i'm beating a dead horse but frank jackson i, I don't think he's missed a shot in the last two games I mean, Jackson, very, very four big jump yeah, shots he was like and four, free throws. He was like four for four yeah. this past game, three for three in the previous game. I just feel like he should be our primary ball handler. He should shoot more. But did you notice at least two of those shots were, were, were catch-and-shoot shots? He's a great shooter. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's a great shooter off the dribble. We don't know that. Okay. He seems like a really good shooter. Catch-and-shoot. Catch Catching. I mean, they, they all are. Uh, well... Yeah, I mean... Uh, everyone's a better shooter, catching and shooting, most, shooting in rhythm, yes. stepping into the shot. Yeah, but Everyone's would, a worse shooter, like dribbling and then... Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see Frank Jackson handle the ball more, absolutely. I think it, it drains Grayson a little yeah. bit. Didn't you know? But he did handle the ball a lot last night, and he did a... He was looking for a shot, and uh, partly they were they were smothering Kennard, like, off the ball. It was really hard to, yeah, to yeah. even... I think they were specifically instructed not to, not to come off and to help. Yeah, they um, did a nice job. But, but and Luke, it was interesting because Kennard, Kennard like, got into the lane and yeah. did all those little shifty things, those bank shots. He, like he seems to uh, in the last like three or four games, like you know, like halfway through the game, I'll be like, "Where's Luke Kennard?" And I'll look at the box where I'm like, "Oh my god, he's he's got 20 points." I mean, I, it's like a real quiet. His below points the, were more impressive yeah, than Grayson's, the radar, in my opinion, points. because his points weren't. They weren't. I mean, Grayson got hot and he made big shots and played a hell of a game. And got his mojo back a little more even than the you know the previous couple games he added to. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad he's found the range again because that shot is a beautiful thing. Kennard did it on a night where a better, he wasn't where he wasn't better, hitting his three point shot. Better shot than Matt Jones. Who's that? Grayson Allen three point shot better than Matt Jones. Well, he's got a lower percentage, but uh, yeah, it's now higher. <laughs> is it higher? Considerably good. higher. That's good. That's I think good. he's back up to like thirty six and a half percent. Okay. Uh, my point is about Kennard is his points, none of them are easy. I mean, he had less of a window to shoot. He had to, to make these like awkward looking kind of drives or kind of like stop and pivot in the lane kind of moves. He definitely had some funky like bank shots. Yeah. Sort of, sort of lucky. They're not lucky anymore because yeah. he's been doing it all season. Although these were more contested. Like the defense against him was was really good, and uh, I, I was just very impressed. Um, Who was guarding? Was it Justin Jackson or Theo Pinson for the most part? Uh, they had different guys on him, but yeah. Justin Jackson did a nice job. He's, he's, How good is Justin Jackson? He's, I, I told you, he's, his, his shooting is How is beautiful is He was not a good shot. shooter. His first two years, he was not a good shooter. It's not even the that, shot itself, but it's the, the fluidity with which he he like gets it. Yeah, Coach K said afterwards that he is... Uh, if he's not the best player we played this year, he's he's right up there. Yeah, he, he's he like he seems said super he talented. Never gets tired. He's, he's not a lottery projected guy. He was. Uh, I, I remember there was discussion of him leaving last year. He would be sort of like a, you know, a second round pick. Um, he he has the height. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism, but he didn't have necessarily the skills. And he must have just been shooting shooting a thousand shots in the gym. It seems like because. He's transformed his his shooting ability. Yeah, he's twenty one. You know, so he's not one of these super frosh or even. Also, I didn't I didn't realize Joel Berry the second and Grayson Allen. They got him twenty. Draft Express has him 29th, late first round now. This I year. wouldn't be surprised if he moves up. Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I would say he was late second round um, 
yeah. preseason or early in the season. Did you know Grayson Allen and Joel Berry the second, both boys from Florida, played on the same AAU team? I didn't know that. Grayson Allen got roughed up for his physical style of play, and Joel Berry was like the first guy to help him, shoved back his opponent. They've been friends. I mean, not super close friends, but Joel Berry's pretty good. He's I, I love Joel Berry. <laughs> so I mean, he's, he seemed like Carolina should have had the ball in his hands more. He should have been doing more. No, he, a lot he did. Of Dennis Smith. I mean, I know he, he did. Like he did in the a second lot, half, especially. Yeah. He, they faltered a little bit at, in the second half. You know, like we were converting buckets and they weren't. Yeah, they had a run where they, they were missing. You know, we were getting some stops. It was great yeah. to see us get some stops. And, like, we gave up a lot of easy baskets still, right? It wasn't perfect. And some. we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. But in the first half, it just seemed like there was both team teams were so hot. Like, UNC, for the majority of the first half, they were shooting, like, 60%. Like Ridiculous. Each time, mid, every, every time mid, they every made a, a bucket, and we're like, they're up four or five points, but how could that be possible? We're playing so well. We're shooting well. Uh, yeah, and it was one of those Carolina-Duke games where every time a team took a lead, the other team just erased it. Like, yeah. auto-erased it. We were, up, we were up eight at one point, I think. We went on an 8-0 run. Like thirty-two, uh, twenty-four, maybe, and they just quickly erased it. Like yeah. they had a lead, you know, at some point in the second half. I was like, oh man, they've taken our best shots here. I, I, and they're, I'm they're, like, I hope they don't extend this lead. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just it's one of those Sega assistants kind of things where uh, Sega assistant. Yeah, in these Duke Carolina game, and it, it's often like irrespective. Sega assistant. Sega assistants. When you were down in like NBA Live, your team would automatically uh, get hot. Never that played kind of that one, though. NBA Live. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, it's like they're on a seesaw with each other, these two teams, when they play, and the emotional energy of the game. Most of the time, it's a close game. Um, and it just seemed like this one was destined to go down to the wire. Did you see that insane stat in the, ni- in the last 96 meetings, Duke-UNC? It's tied. 48-48, and we scored the exact same number of points, like 7,364, the exact same number of points. I mean, that is insanity. What's insane is somebody actually went up and went and added all those together and, like, found the, the one data point where that was true, <laughs> right? You could probably find that in other rivalries. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's that. I don't think, actually don't think it's that crazy unlikely. I mean, it's an amazing statistic, and it sounds amazing. But at some point, you're going to be able to say... Just cherry-picking cherry, cherry data. Yeah, in the last 12 games, the last 11 games, the last 17 games, at some point, maybe it's true. And if it's not true, you never think about it. I mean, you could put the stat up, and it's like, oh, they're separated by two points over the last 38 games. You'd be like, that's amazing, too. Right, you know? So, What about Jason Tatum in the second half? Let's talk about my boy Jason Tatum. What happened on that dunk that he missed? Dude, you not- were just ready to criticize everything. Let's talk about Jason Tatum. He missed Tatum. a point-blank dunk. Yeah, he did. What happened? He's human. He went 5 for 14. That's what you want to talk about? He went 5 for 14, Russell Westbrook style. Unbelievable. Jason Tatum was the difference in the game. Besides the three-point shooting. <laughs> Besides shooting 35% from the field. You'd, he had as an athletic edge that was a was a counterpoint to Carolina's onslaught of athletic bodies and he's done this in a lot of other games too but his rebounds are difference making rebounds because he's good, not always in the low good post. blocks yeah a few but what good blocks few good blocks like defensive presence he changes shots 
he changes the way the defense, the other team, they have to account for him. And as an outlet guy, towards the end of possessions, I mean, he, you know, he took a couple of shots that were that were questionable. Questionable. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, and he should have made that yeah. dunk. And he's not perfect yet. But how about that dunk he threw down, man, over Kennedy Meeks? He should have ran back on D. <laughs> how about the dunk, though? Look, he's flexing his, uh, his his arms instead of running back on D. I, it made me question why he hasn't dunked <laughs> like that more often. But maybe we found out towards the end of the game. But, what about that call, the basket interference call? Is that, I guess that's the rule. But, no, man, if just, we had lost that call. game, if we had lost the game, it seemed like a bad call. If we had bad lost the game, all the time. it would have been like this weird fishy call on this like weird play that he didn't throw down the dunk. And I'm glad we don't even have to talk about it for more than 20 seconds. Bad calls happen all the time in college hoops. How about that drive? How about... Okay, let me... How about the... Here's my take on Jason Tatum. Yeah. I love Jason Tatum. He impacts the game on so many different levels. There are two times... There are two things about him that make me really nervous, which I feel can, would, could potentially cost us in an important game down the, down the stretch. I hate it when he brings the ball down the court, a little bit out of control, and I hate it when he's facing the basket like 20 feet out. Like so, The whole second half, when he's attacking the basket, when he's dribble penetrating, with his height and his arm length and his dunkability and his athleticism and his different moves, like it's fantastic. Okay, but when he, when can't. he's doing different stuff like twenty one feet from the basket, like I get scared that he's going to chuck up a shot. And when he's dribbling down the court in transition, I I wish he would just give give the ball up to the ball handler. I mean, I actually thought last night, the last few games, he's checked himself a little bit. Yeah, I and agree. His shot with selection's you. better, I so I, I think it's unfair a little bit to say to keep keep pounding on him for it when he's improved. And when we've played better, he's fit more into the team, I thought, on offense. And sometimes we need him to, we need him to create his own shot. Yeah, they, I, I think in halftime, they, he was specifically instructed to, to shoot because he was passing up on some open Grayson shots in the first half. It, Grayson and Coach K, they all, they all said. Here's the other thing. At halftime, they lit into him for being gun-shy. And, and Tatum said he was super nervous before this game. Okay. Like it's, yeah, it's it, three it, points, it took a while he, for the he, butterflies he to He bricked a couple threes down. in a really bad fashion. But in the, even in the first half, when he didn't score any points, he had three or four really good passes where he set up his teammates, where he did that adjustment where he didn't just barrel into the lane and pick up a charge or, like, force one of these weird kind of, like, mid-range fadeaway shots. He took a couple dribbles, had an edge on his man, and then dished to an yeah. op- open shooter. And it, it was really effective. It was very point-forward-ish. And it, it, it was less ball hoggy. Yeah. And it was it was a beautiful thing. And that how about that block to open up the game? That full court catch up block on it was on May that he, he blocked May's shot. Can't remember. You can't remember. It was the second or third possession of the game. Uh, Usually we, we turn the ball over, I believe, or it was a long rebound. And he comes from all the way behind and rises up. You didn't even think he could catch up. It was like... LeBron James style, NBA Finals. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> Jay Billis compared it to a Battier block at Carolina about 15 years ago, which was very memorable. Yeah, yeah. You, you, didn't, you didn't replay the game. and you know, you, I know you were at the, the Aria watching, right? Usually I like to watch games twice. You might get distracted. Can't, you know, not all of us pay attention to the tough games. To, tough to do for emergency <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, when you, when you watch it, look for, look for the play. It was incredible. It was a, it was a marvel. 
And it made me think, oh, there's the guy. That's the guy who might be the one of the best defensive players ever to come out of Duke. Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum in the NBA. Because mm. he's only got 10 games left in, in Duke uniform. You know what? Hopefully 15. You know what was really effective was uh, Harry Giles picking rolls to the basket. I mean, he got three just clean. Like, and they missed him dunks, once or twice, just, too. Just straight dunks. You yeah. Know? Should, you sh- they should use that more. I mean, Frank Jackson went four for four and then didn't get a shot in the second half. Same thing repeated itself, by the way, with uh, Bolden and Giles playing kind of significant minutes in the first half, playing pretty well, and then not getting in the game at all the last 15 minutes of the game. Did Giles play in the second half? Uh, I think, yeah, I think he did. A couple minutes? I think maybe Bolden didn't. Not towards I mean, the end. Yeah, I think that has more to do with matchups. Like, I, I feel like if Hicks were in there, they probably would have gotten more minutes. But, uh, I don't know. What a win. What a, they made plays down the stretch when it mattered. Against another team who was playing great, Carolina didn't give us the game on, on any level. I mean, this they only turned the ball over four times, and they shot over fifty percent from the field. They didn't make a lot of threes. Yeah, but they missed a bunch of free throws. Also, they missed. They were ten for eight, ten for eighteen from the line. Yeah, and it would have been tighter. But if, even if they make, you know, fourteen out of eighteen, which is a really good percentage, seventy-eight uh, percent, we still we still have an edge towards the end of the game. You know, it's a very slight edge. But, like, you can't really expect a team to shoot 80%. So, they just went 10 of 18. If they went 12 of 18, yeah. Uh, you know, I saw some excuses Car- being Carolina's- made afterwards. Like, they missed free throws. We hit a bunch of threes. And it's true. We shot better. That means we balled, right? Like, we, we had the stones to make the shots. We definitely they played the well. We definitely yeah. shot well. We definitely executed well. But I, I can understand the UNC apologists. I mean, like, I feel like... When, yeah. we, when we play UNC ran good on threes in Chapel Hill, won. when I, Isaiah Hicks is, is back, I mean, I feel like it's going to be a tough, tough game. It's going to be a real tough game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, uh, it doesn't mean we've, we've conquered the universe now, but it yeah. does mean we're back on the map, beating really good teams, looking good doing it, playing together in a way we weren't, we didn't seem to be. Yeah. Um, and, man, I'm enthusiastic. I'm not afraid to tell Yeah, you. I mean... It, I'm not gonna lie. This this morning when I woke up, I booked a hotel room in Phoenix. Final four, just in case. Just in case we get there, I'm gonna make sure I have a hotel room there. This is why you're my friend. Uh, do I have a bed? Uh, it's actually for a different friend. Gosh, damn. <laughs> I'll sleep on the floor in the bathtub. I'm sure. I'm sure we can make space. Um, but I wanted to touch on a few other things. Um, yeah, real quick. I don't want this one to go too long. Yeah, so UNC, afterwards they were saying UNC has to play Virginia twice. They play Louisville. They play us again. So the ACC hunt is definitely up in the air. Like It's brutal. There are like six or seven teams that are like bunched together, maybe like one, one and a half games So they're back. now nine and three. We're now seven and four in the ACC. They're still in first. Yeah, I mean, if assume, ass, assuming game, we beat Clemson at home in 24 hours, we're going to be one game back. Yeah. We have a pretty tough schedule also. Uh, we, have, we, have, we have to play Flor- Florida Virginia. State at home. We play at Virginia. We play at Syracuse, at Miami, at UNC. Um, I feel like Clemson and Wake Forest at home are the two sort of easier games. Um, I feel like for those seven games, uh, realistically, maybe five and two. If we go f- Five and two would be great. If we go five and two, we're going to be... Six and one we're would be stellar. Be, we're going to be 24 and seven. I feel like... We have to win out, win the ACC tournament to get like a one seed. But I think five and two and doing some, making some noise in the ACC tournament, I think we would be in the running for a two and two or three seed. But I, th- 
I can't. I can see. I can't it underscore enough how important it is that we get a two or three seed. Yeah, like it's we, definitely important. We can't be a four or five seed and play one seed they in do. the Sweet Sixteen and then play the two seed in the. In the uh, well, they look at your record, but they also look at how you do down the stretch, and they may even say, "Hey, Coach K wasn't there for a while. Hey, they had injuries earlier in the year." So I can absolutely see a path to a two or three seed. I think a one is unlikely. I think to get the one, we'd have to go pretty much went out. We'd have to go six and one down these this seven game stretch, most likely, and then finals of the ACC or, or winning. Like if you look at the, it's, it's not impossible. Like I now believe that can happen. If you look, if you right? look at the country, uh, I think Gonzaga, Villanova, and yeah. Kansas have the inside track to one seeds, which means yeah, there's we're just there, we're competing with like a dozen other teams with comparable records for the last one seed. Obviously, a lot of things can happen. Sure, but I, I just feel like one seed isn't that important. A two seed is nearly as. I good. mean, I think a one seed is pretty important, but it's yeah. unrealistic given our five losses. But I think it's super important that let's get know, into the seed stuff in a week or two, and we can see a little more how the how the season's it's progressing. Only a month left. I mean, I know it should be all you think about, look at, eat. Sleep, you, study. You, you keep track of that stuff. <laughs> I'll actually watch the games and remember what happened in the games. You don't watch the, the games, games, Mike. Just stop it. Uh, you know, just read the news articles. <laughs> uh, last thing, last thing. Emil Jefferson basically shut out. Didn't get a lot of rebounds. Jason Tatum was pulling down the boards. He did like. He did play very important defense. Is it one of those games where you're thinking? There's the non-stack. He's like a non-stack guy in the game, but he was pivotal. Or you're thinking, Emil Jefferson, what happened to you? Are you not the same player because of the injury? It's definitely not the same player. Um, I think he can be somewhat effective. Like I, I'm Carolina a, must negate his whatever physical edge naturally has against teams that we faced earlier in the year. You know, so like it's partly that, right? I don't. Like he's an undersized guy. He's an undersized guy, but he. I, I feel like anyone would be more athletic than Kennedy Meeks. Kennedy Meeks seems like forty pounds overweight. Like I read, I read some. Finally, the, some, the some fat report. guy on the other team doesn't kill us. He was just—he was like—he was like—he <laughs> was like eating like juicy fruits or something after what? the game. Like, does nobody coach these kids about nutrition or what what to eat? Like, he's just eating like junk food after the game. Maybe that's what he gets. Maybe he diets all week, and when after a game, he gets he gets a little snack. But you know what? Yeah. So going back going back to Emil, what I'm least concerned about is his lack of scoring. Like this team doesn't need him to score. Like I think it's a good option because in the first like month, month and a half of the season, he created his own shot and his back to the basket about you know, on the blocks and that's great. But if he can't do that, I don't think it's that big of a deal for this team. We just need his He looks like an all American the first month of the season. And now he looks like uh, I at think best like a Lance Thomas esque role player. I don't know if right. I would say he looked like an All American. I mean, he was averaging like twelve and ten and a half, thirteen, thirteen, like twelve and a half. Seventy percent from the field. I mean, he, you know, I'm I'm, I'm right. using hyperbole here, but I just love when he shot fakes from the top of the key. That's I just I die laughing every time. Yeah, let's let's mention Matt Jones played a really good defensive game. Yeah, but going going back to him, well. like it's yeah, it's just we just need him for his defense, his communication, his leadership, his rebounding. But I, I feel like both he and Matt Jones, like they're not practicing. They're hurt. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that. Which which would explain a lot of things. Like, and I feel yeah. like even if his health is compromised, Emil is like such a 
Duke or team guy, he's going to say, like, look, coach, I'm just going to die for this team. You know, like, I might hurt my foot or whatever, but I'm just going to do it for this season. But you're telling me, we'll see. We'll see how we, I, I hope he, can, I hope it improves and he's able to be as much of the player that he showed early down the stretch because, yeah. you know, we need everyone to contribute. This, this isn't, despite being number one preseason and our expectations about only losing a couple of games, having an average margin of victory of 20 points like these other great teams or great Duke teams in the past, this team doesn't doesn't have just doesn't have it doesn't have that. This team can be really good. This like, team like might, that sick quality that like that, that you like, know other teams every shit their pants every team's a laugh every game is like a, just a joke. Yeah. Like Kentucky was a couple of years ago, you know, like that's not us. That right. we're you know it's not us because of the injuries. It's not us because it could be us if everyone came back next year. Next year could be us. Yeah. If everybody, if if we nobody, nobody's going to go back. back in time twenty years and people came back for the sophomore year, I'll tell you, Jason Tatum is not coming back. He's I hope, I, I hope Luke comes back. I don't think Luke's coming back. We'll talk about it towards the end. I feel of the like year. maybe Giles might come back. I don't think. Giles I think, is out I think Giles is like there's a there's a discussion to be had about whether it'd be worth it for Giles to come back. Yeah. Yeah. But you know he could show just as much in individual workouts as he could in another college basketball season. Maybe. Anyhow, uh, go to Hell Carolina. What a game. What a game. What a game. No storm in the court anymore, huh? There were bonfires in the quad. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. There was a lot of face paint, for what that's worth, in the crowd. But uh, the crowd seemed good. The crowd seemed good. I'd love yeah. to hear from people that were there. If you want to email us or <laughs> send, us a, send us a tweet. How many Duke students do you think have listened to our podcast? Uh, I would guess zero. I would guess uh, single digits for zero. sure. I, I think I think we're appealing to more of the the older guys who are like, you know, we're excited about the the season. Search Duke basketball in their podcast app and saw that there were only a couple of us and <laughs> like gave us a shot. And hopefully they're sticking around. So thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Duke Basketball Junkies with uh, my good friend Peter Rowe. The uh, yeah, we're gonna try to. Gonna, I'm gonna try to watch one of these games with you so I can enjoy in the moment because you're you're kind of a dick the next day, you know how you. Yeah, a little cynical. Driving the bitter bus. Yeah, dude, you're like on. Uh, you're on the, on Jason Tatum. You're killing Jason Tatum for missing that dunk, and he had like this incredible game that rose to the occasion. You're you're like concerned this win doesn't really mean that much when it means everything it's the only thing that matters i just present facts mike he went five for 14 and missed a point blank dunk those are just facts indisputable i have some alternative facts for you we'll talk about it next time all right all right guys thanks for listening